We continue our sermon series from Peter's first epistle, writing to the churches in Asia Minor, 1 Peter chapter 2. My dear friends, Dr. Darren Davis and his wife, Dr. Brenda Davis, both of Baylor University, were recently celebrating their 29th wedding anniversary. And one of their daughters, Crosby, age 12, helped them celebrate the day by texting her parents, happy adversity, she texted. <laughs> it was an honest mistake. She meant to say, happy anniversary. But perhaps she told the truth when she mistakenly sent the message Happy adversity. It wasn't long until Crosby realized her mistake and quickly texted, I saw the screenshot myself. Oh, wait, that's not how you spell it, she replied. No, Crosby, that's probably exactly how you spell it. Marriage is often at best happy adversity. In fact, many of our relationships in the workplace, personal relationships and friends and family are best described at the highest moments as adversity that can be managed in a happy condition. So today, I wish you a happy adversity. That was the message of Peter. To the Christians in Asia Minor, at the end of chapter 2. Happy adversity, Peter is saying to the people. Articles from every news source we have all observed. With the current conditions, we're all these days on a very short fuse. In fact, just recently, the Wall Street Journal ran an article entitled, Adults are throwing tantrums in restaurants in planes, at home, blame the pandemic, was the headline. In line recently at a Winn-Dixie supermarket in Florida, John Didana worried that a, a nearby shopper was getting too close for COVID-era comfort. Mr. Didana asked the other shopper, would you please take a step back? The shopper, he says, took a step forward instead of backward. Oh, you love me that much, said Didana, reacting badly. The men argued back and forth, and well, Mr. Didana said it ended with me sprinkling the supermarket with a plethora of four-letter words, and afterwards, when I got home, I was mortified at what I had said and the way I had acted. Didana is a theater producer in Seminole County, Florida. He says, I'm on a shorter fuse these days. After 18 months of the pandemic, grappling with decisions about mask or no mask at rehearsals and employee vaccinations and whether and how to continue the performances, navigating the whole pandemic has been exhausting, says Didana. At home, in the workplace, out in public, many of us admit the blow-ups which we thereafter regret. 
Airlines have become a hot spot too. The Federal Aviation Administration initiated more than 750 investigations into passengers' unruly conduct. That's compared to 146 in the whole year of 2019. So more than five times as many unruly passengers during the pandemic were 500% more likely to blow a fuse these days. Tensions are spelling, spilling over it at work as well. Jessica Carlson, director of supply chain operations in Washington, D.C., says she recently snapped at her boss and threatened to quit. She just experienced frustrations over virtual communication with the coworkers. That was the immediate spark. But the pandemic stress had been wearing on her for months, she says, for me to go into my boss historically crying and threaten to walk out is, is so unlike me. I just snapped, she said. Everywhere, every day, in every way, we have no inner peace. The second Sunday of Advent is the Sunday of peace. We need the peace of God. We need to be at peace with God. We need to be at peace with our family. We need to be at peace with our friends, our, our co-workers. Peace even with annoying strangers in the supermarket. And ultimately, we need to be at peace within ourselves. Peace on the inside will show expressions of grace on the outside. Peace within, grace without. In fact, I read about one restaurant that was so tired of cranky customers these days, they put a sign on the front door, be kind or leave. Simply put, come in here and be kind. If not, just leave. In fact, some restaurants are starting a no longer welcome list. Better watch how you behave. <laughs> Don DeHaney, who owns the Scratching Company in Pittsburgh, posted on Facebook, any guest who de demeans or belittles the staff of this restaurant will be put on our no longer welcomed here list. Has it come to that? When Peter is penning his first epistle, Peter is now an old man. He's living in Rome. He is so much wiser than he was when he first began to follow the Christ. He had walked with Jesus for three years. And Jesus had transformed him from being a fisher of fish to a fisher of men. He had been the leader of the twelve, always talking, always acting, always reacting, often Peter putting his foot in his mouth, exploding, Peter did. And then think about it later. It's not Peter's acting I want us to focus on today, but rather it's Peter's reacting I want us to see today. Reacting, it seems to me, is awfully, awfully important. Sometimes we overreact to say the least. 
Anger is a part of everyone's emotional compass, helps us to navigate, navigate the contingencies of life. Anger signals that we've been threatened, injured, deprived, robbed of rewards or expectations. Sometimes we have to stand up and, and defend ourselves or our family. I get it. I feel it too. But the pandemic, with this extreme disruption of normal for us, what is normal daily life now? The uncertainties of the future, compounded with new economic distress, racial tension, political ideological conflicts on the left and on the right, it puts every one of us to the test. We find ourselves now, more than ever, ready to react, ready to explode at the slightest provocation. Listen to the words of the Apostle Peter. Now an old man. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Well, look at verse, verse 20. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. That finds favor with God, verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. And while suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to the judge who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep. But now you return to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Perhaps Peter looks back and remembers not only how Jesus acted, but how Jesus reacted. He remembers how Jesus suffered. He remembers how Jesus himself is an example of how we too ought to suffer. That Jesus committed no sin in his suffering. That Jesus was not deceitful and being reviled, he did not revile in return. And while they spat upon Jesus, he didn't spit back. And when they slapped his face, he turned the other cheek. The one who could have called upon legions of angels suffered. And even while he's dying on the cross, what grace. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Peter remembers how Jesus took our sin, my sin and your sin on his back, on his body on the cross so that we could die to sin and death and we could live to righteousness and resurrection. For it is by his wounds we are healed. We used to be the stray sheep and now we've come into the flock to the shepherd. Peter's old. He's thinking about how Jesus reacted and I think he's thinking in his own mind how he reacted so poorly as a young man. You see, the problem with judging your spirituality based upon how you act is this. You can plan how to act. You can't plan how to react. You can calculate your actions. But your reactions 
are natural evidence of who you are within. If I'm carrying that cup of coffee down the hallway and I turn the corner not paying attention, which I often do, I'm always doing something else in my mind versus watching where I'm going. And I, I turn the hall and bang, and if there's coffee in the cup all over, your white shirt or your dress will be a coffee stain. You see, it's what's in the cup, and when pounded, it explodes. Coffee within, coffee stain without. And when you encounter me in the daily challenges and confrontations of my life, I'm going to spill something on you. And what I spill on you is a pretty good indication of what's within. Not my words, but Jesus in Matthew 12. Out of the abundance of our heart, we speak. It's not how we act. It's how we react that displays our walk with God. How we, how we react spills who we are onto everyone and everything around us. And Peter ought to know, Peter had a lifetime of some bad reacting. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Oh, some say you're John the Baptist, says the disciple. Others say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? Jesus asked in Matthew 16. And Peter acts well. He says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In verse 21 of Matthew 16, Jesus begins to say, you're right, I'm the Messiah. Now the Messiah is going to suffer. The Messiah is going to be crucified. And then in three days, I'll come alive again. And Peter takes Jesus aside and says, come over here. We need to talk about this. This isn't my plan for you, Jesus. Nothing doing. There'll be no suffering. You will not suffer. I've got a different plan. Don't you worry about that. You will not suffer. Not the cross, Lord. Not for you. I'm your chief disciple. Peter reacted to Jesus' redefinition of what it means to be Messiah. And Jesus says to Peter, not on his acting. He's blessed for his acting. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. But when he reacts against the suffering, Jesus says, you remember those words, get behind me, Satan. Or your mind is not on the things of God. The thing of God is a suffering Messiah. The thing of man is a victorious warrior. Your mind is on the things of men. And so here in 1 Peter, the old apostle's looking back and he's reacted poorly to Jesus' suffering. And he's seen that Jesus on the cross didn't fight back. He remembers how Jesus suffered with peace and grace. Or maybe he's remembering John 13, 8, when Jesus takes up the towel, the disciples are arguing over who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. And while no one has lowered himself enough to take the towel and pour the water and wash the feet, Jesus, while they're arguing, well, he takes the towel, ties it around his waist, pours water in the basin, and he begins to their embarrassment in the middle of their conversation about, I'm better than you are, and I'll be at the right hand, who'll be at the left hand. He starts washing the feet. When he gets to Peter, Peter says, oh, no, 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 no. Reacting, no, no. You won't wash my feet. I can tell you that right now. 
Well, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you're not one of mine. Oh, well, then, then wash my feet and wash my hands and, and wash my head. Peter had three years of bad reacting. And then he follows a Jesus who suffers pain without inflicting pain on others. Maybe he's remembering when they come to the, to the garden to, to arrest Jesus. The Jew, Jewish authorities come with Roman power, the torchlights in the night, meandering down into the garden. And maybe Peter remembers that he's the one that drew the sword and whacked off the ear of the servant named Malchus. And now Jesus said to him, Peter, stop reacting. Put up your sword. Don't you realize if I wanted to, I could call upon 12 legions of angels and take care of this. He who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. Put it away. Peter reacted on the spot, slinging the sword of anger. Peter reacted poorly. Peter, don't you know, I have to drink the cup. During the Lord's Supper, it's predicted that they're all going to run and scatter. I'm going to die and they're going to come arrest me and all you guys are going to run and scatter. And Matthew tells us every one of them left him and fled. Every one of them. And Peter says, nope, that's where you're wrong, Lord. I'll die for you. I can't keep up with what these other guys are going to do, but you can count on Peter. I will die for you. Write it down right now. Really, Peter? Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter had a whole lifetime of reacting so inappropriately to everything Jesus was trying to teach him. Hey, said the servant girl, I think you're followers of his, aren't you? They were in there beating Jesus and whipping him and Peter sees he'll be next. I mean, after all, he's next in charge. No, 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 you're mistaken. Mm -mm. I don't know anything to do with him. Another servant girl, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're, you're one of his followers, aren't you? No, t t tell, tell us about it. You, you're one of his, aren't you? I, I don't even know the man. This is these reactions. And then another one says, hey, you can't fool me. I, I'd recognize a Galilean accent anywhere. You're from Galilee. You're with a Galilean. You're one of his. He curses and says, I have nothing to do with him. Lord, you can count on me. I'll die for you. Cock crows. And Luke's gospel gives the most powerful event he turns and Jesus' eyes meet Peter's eyes and Peter weeps. You see, I think that Peter is in Rome writing to these believers in Asia Minor and he's reacted so poorly. Vicki Vaughn, an acquaintance of mine, says she was so happy now that grocery store stores are open late into the evening 
She likes to go when nobody else is there. And she knows there's a lot of single moms struggling. She assumes they're single moms, moms and kids in the grocery store shopping late at night. A single mom can't get it all done during the day. And she's in the grocery store. She's doing her usual routine up this aisle, down the next aisle. And there was a, a mom there. And you could tell she was really tired. And there was a baby there. And the baby was cranky. And the mom began to slap and pull and shout at this little tired baby up and down one aisle the next. And finally, Vicky said, I can't, I can't take it. She reversed her route to go the opposite way. She said, I can't watch that child being pulled and shouted at all during my grocery shopping. She started down the reverse order and noticed another mom by herself, maybe single too, she couldn't be sure. And there's a little baby there. And you know how the cart is where you could see the baby looking back, but you couldn't see the mom looking forward shopping said the baby had a bag of Twinkies and she is squeezing the white goo out of them and was kind of doing finger painting in a bag with those things. And the mom turns from the shelf back and sees what the baby is doing. The mom pries the little fingers off the Twinkie bag one by one and says, please don't squeeze the Twinkies. Then she takes the little baby and lifts the baby up and Brings her down to her nose. Says, I always love you. I don't always love what you do, but I always love you. The woman then turned and had on a, a bright red shirt with bold white letters that said, radically saved. Both moms tired both babies being toots, the difference was Jesus. Maybe it's our children who could tell who we really are. Here's a scary thought, isn't it? Maybe our children know how we don't appear in public, but how we really, really react. You were abused, Peter said of Jesus, and you didn't abuse back. You were reviled and you kept your mouth shut. You forgave with grace even as they crucified you. I'm not asking you this morning how you're acting. I'm asking you this morning how you're reacting. I'm not worried about your sins of action. It's your attitude. It's my attitude. What's within and what spills out? The fury of hell or the grace of God? Happy adversity. The world's going to be adverse. And we can decide to make it happy or not. Happy adversity. Only God's people can have that kind of peace and stay happy in the midst of a pandemic of adversity. And Crosby, age 12, got it right. God's people have adversity, but they react with God's grace. Happy Adversity, that's what Jesus had. Peace, Christmas peace. Let us pray. Oh God, forgive us 
when we act like the world, when we behave as if we're children of the dark, when we ourselves walk in the light with you. And in all of our relationships, in the workplace and in the house, with friends and family, even during these tense holiday times, may, when bumped into, may we spill, may we spill grace because we have peace within. Oh, come, baby Jesus. We know what we act like by ourselves. Come and lend us your grace. Amen.